Fox Central Thursday. Dan Richo, Satyar Shah in the Kintech studio. Lots to come on the program because the Canucks made some news today. We mentioned it yesterday. Well, Sat alluded to it yesterday. Maybe, just maybe, the Canucks and Andre Kuzmenko have it figured out. It's just a matter of when. It's a matter of time until they announce the deal. Less than 24 hours later, Sat, from your foreshadowing comment, the Canucks and Andre Kuzmenko announce a two-year extension at $5.5 million per season. Yeah, and, and you know what? Um, not to do too much back padding, but what, what it does show... We're all show, about back pads here. Hey, listen, we'll take the back pads <laughs> when we get them, right? And a lot of this was you know, based on stuff that we'd heard and we talked about from when he was signed, that it wasn't going to be difficult, and there's an understanding of what it may look like, whether it's a short-term deal or a longer-term deal. But we all know that the way Kuzmenko played, he kind of changed what the potential output would have been and what a potential contract would have looked like for him. And because it's such a outlier situation and there's no precedent for it, there was going to be there was going to be hard for Vancouver to commit to a long-term deal at a higher rate without being sure about it. And the same thing for Kuzmenko's side is, well, why would I maybe take a little bit, you know, the contract I may have taken given what we were talking about, say, before I had all the success but I can understand why the team's not willing to give me that money. So what's the best workaround? And it's a bridge contract. I just never bought into the idea, Dan, that it was going to cost $6 million or more on a bridge deal. So there's, there's a few things that I, I feel about the deal here for Kuzmenko. And we're going to get into you know what happens after as well. Uh, Elliot Friedman with an interesting clip on Tim and Friends, which we'll get to. And... I mean, not one of the obvious questions here is, okay, if, if you're keeping Kuzmenko, like, where is the change coming? But just to stick on the initial reaction to the contract, like, universally in the hockey world, everybody is saying, well, this contract is totally fair for this incredibly productive player in his first year of NHL play. But it makes zero sense for a team that doesn't have much of a pathway to short-term success in the next two years, right? Like, Universe, I didn't see anybody saying, oh, this is a bad contract for Andre Kuzmenko, who's been an incredible find for the Vancouver Canucks. So uh, to some level, can we just applaud like, hey, this is a good deal for both sides? Because one thing that I think it does do is it limits some long-term risk for the Canucks if, you know, they're not ready to, well, not to say that they're not ready, but at least it gives them more data you know, it'll give them a better look at Andre Kuzmenko and see how for real his numbers are this year. Because, yeah, there could be some variance in what we've seen, right? The shooting percentage mm-hmm. is way up and all these different things suggest uh, maybe a regression is, is around the corner to some level for Kuzmenko. But at the same time, okay, you can't move him right now or you're not moving him at this deadline when... He clearly has some level of value because of his contract as much as anything else. But much like everybody's talking about, it is a short sample size. So I wonder how much GMs would be ultimately willing to pay for a player that doesn't have any playoff experience and has very little of a track record beyond what he's done next to Elias Pettersson to suggest 
he could be a great fit on whatever team he is ultimately going to go to should he have gotten traded at this deadline. But why wouldn't that apply two years from now when he's an unrestricted free agent? If the Canucks aren't in a winning situation then, could they not move him at that deadline? Like, why would that logic be different than any than it is at all today, Sad? And you know what? In terms of the asset valuation, like you're not wrong. I think the idea that this is his highest value as a trade asset, I, I think, is a fair point to have and a fair take, and it may very well be. But if he does show some, like you said, a playoff success, if the, some, somehow the Canucks make the playoffs next season, he shows well or whatever. The next season, if you retain some money, that player is probably going to be valued more around the league. Because they know he's a guy that has backed up the production, and he's mm-hmm. also done it in the postseason, potentially. So there is a way that his value is higher, but a lot of things have to happen. One, he has to be healthy. Two, he has to be successful. And three, the Canucks have to make it to the postseason for him to really increase his value next season. So those a lot of things are going to have to accomplish for that to happen. But I agree with the notion that, yes, the value could be a lot higher. But as much as we're sitting here and talking about what his trade value might be, I, I think what the Canucks are really intimating here. This is a guy they believe in, that they're going to build around. And Dan Milstein was on Canucks Talk and mentioned, you know, as soon as, you know, one year is done, we'll talk an extension again. So it's very clear that, you know, these guys want to be in Vancouver. And if he continues playing this way, that this is a guy they want to hold on to. I think he's the one of the big players this team went out and got this new management team, right? Patrick Alvin put in a lot of work to, uh, you know, to, to cultivate the relationship that ultimately landed Kuzmenko here in Vancouver. Yeah, so... This is somebody they believe in, he believes in, they're invested in, and they want to keep investing and believe can help them get to a certain point. Now, we've all been skeptical about where the Canucks are headed and where they might get there because, you know, of how the season has gone and how many things this team has to accomplish and how hard it is to move money off the book. So it's hard to see them getting there quickly the way they want to. But if they are able to, by the time we get to the offseason here, Dan, move a Brock Besser, maybe move a, a Connor Garland, and they make the Bull Horvat trade, well, then you look at it, you might say, okay, well, now you have, you know, Patterson, Kuzmenko, Miller, and Mikheyev. At least you have those four forwards in your top six that can play in that type of a role. Now you traded the other guys, and let's build around those players. But you're going to have to make those types of moves, right? Because I can understand the frustration from Canucks fans are looking at it and saying, well, here's a guy you can get a pick for for sure, and can I can help you move forward because you can't move all the other guys. So I understand that aspect of it, but ultimately here, Dan, more than anything, the Canucks believe in this player, and they really believe that he's going to be part of their success in a couple of years. He's one of their guys, right? They brought him in. He's been a huge success, and they see him as part of the solution. So... As much as, yes, you know, there could have been a, a decent trade haul for Andre Kuzmenko here, I don't think it was ever really in the cards, especially with some of the rhetoric we heard from uh, the management group of this team. But, you know, who aren't their guys? You know, where's the major surgery going to come from? It, it feels like Jim Benning all over again. I know we've joked about this a couple of times this week, but uh, that's the problem you guys have is you don't have all the information. But, you know, when the whole hockey world is like, okay, like what the heck are the Canucks doing here? You know, in the next two years, they're not going to be able to win on this uh, Andre Kuzmenko contract. So what's what's the point of keeping him around? Like what are the Canucks seeing that we aren't? What's the information that we don't yet have on how things are going to play out? How is the consensus so overwhelmingly against the pathway that this Canucks team is on? How 
has that continued to happen even with a new management group in place? Like the answer seems fairly simple. The goal of the team is to get back into the playoffs and hope the best. But what if, and uh, you know, it's, it's of course a big what if, they're able to open up more cap space, as you alluded to, Sat, than would seem plausible for this summer. We know they're trying to move Besser and Garland, and the feeling is you know, Besser could maybe be moved even before this season's deadline. It's maybe still an unlikely, but it seems like that suggestion is picking up around hockey insiders. While Brock has been on the block for the last number of years, it seems that likelihood of him being moved has never been higher than it is right now. I'm not sure what kind of return you're able to get for a $6 million ticket that's getting fewer than 10 goals right now, but that's for the Canucks to figure out, right? It would seem Bo Horvat gets moved, and that is your ticket to get an extra first-round pick, maybe a young player that's an impact player either now or in a couple of years' time. Maybe you get, Jim Rutherford mentioned this, an OEL buyout. There's $7 million of cap space in the summer, we talk about Myers and Pearson all the time. That's over $9 million in cap space. You know, th- there is a pathway to opening up a lot of cap space in the summer. It's just unlikely. It's frustrating because they've talked about it for so long and they haven't done it. And, you know, it's it's also a wonder if it's going to come at a cost to the Canucks to open up this cap space rather than, you know, you collecting some level of an asset in return for getting rid of some of those those contracts. Well, and if they're able to, and we'll find out if they're able to move some of those contracts and get something back in return uh, this offseason, I, I do believe they think there will be more opportunities this summer, and we'll see if that actually does come to pass. But, you know, I understand why people say, hey, here's a player, Kuzmenko, that you could have, you know, done some major surgery with. So I agree you could have gotten a good asset, right? Whether that's a late first round pick, whether that's a second round pick, plus something that it, that's equivalent to a late first or something along those lines. And, and that's valuable. You know, I'm not dismissing any of that, right? But what the Canucks also are looking at here, I believe, Dan, is they want to do more major surgery. But what they're trying to do major surgery on is the players who have been here for a long time. Like it's not like they they don't want to get rid of a player they just brought in. They feel like Kuzmenko is going to be part of that new wave. You know the infusion of players you're bringing in that's going to you know be part of the new culture and new identity of mm-hmm. this team moving forward here. Not as a leader, but as a piece for the future. Whereas the surgery they want to do, or at least using the words that. Rutherford used is trying to get rid of the players who've been here for a long time, the guys we just went through. So when they say we're, we want to do major surgery, it's not necessarily about a guy like Kuzmenko or guys who just brought in. It's about the guys who've been here that they've been trying to get rid of. And you're right. like That's why the OEL buyout it becomes more and more... I think appealing to management, and we'll see if ownership signs off on it, because yeah. it's an easy way to clear up $7 million for you without paying an asset. Yes, there'll be some cap charges, but with the cap going up, there is a way you can stomach it, potentially. You're not giving something up to do it, and all of a sudden, it opens up a world of possibilities for you, if that's what you're looking to do. So, the OEL buyout, I mean, you can go to Cap Fairly and figure it out, but you do open $7 million of cap space for next season, and the charge... Um, for the years once the contract would have expired it will last four years but you know it's it's only a two million dollar pill you have to swallow against the cap um which you know i mean we see nfl teams do these sorts of things all the time it's just not as common i would say in 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 the nhl i i did want to get to 
the next part, right? And, and what are those moves and the major surgery? Because that's where people are really wondering how you get any kind of significant change. You mentioned a little bit of it. Elliot Friedman was on Tim and Friends earlier today, and in about one minute he suggests there's could be quite a few players on the move for the Canucks. Maybe not all ahead of the deadline, but certainly in the next little while. Look, Horvat. look, if there was any question about whether or not they'd be able to sign him, we have the answer. Um, they signed Miller. Now they signed Kuzmenko. They're not going to be able to do Horvat, I don't think. And I think he's going to be traded. Uh, I think there's other players on that team that are going to be dealt to. I, I think Besser is going to be dealt. Um, I think at some point in time, I think Myers will be dealt, whether it's this year or after his bonus is due in the summer. Uh, I, I think they are going to try to move some other players out. We'll see what this all means, but you know, I, I know I heard some people saying, "Well, they hope that if they keep Kuzmenko, that'll make Pedersen more likely to sign." I, I'm not sure I, I would say that. I, I don't know if it's quite that deep, mm. but I, I, I do think they do speak to Pedersen quite a bit about what he thinks and what his feelings are. I, I just feel that they they want to keep a nucleus. They've committed to Miller. They're going to make Pedersen their guy. I think they wanted to have another forward, Kuzmenko, around them so they could score. Um, and I think, but I think you're going to see a bunch of other guys moved: Horvat, Besser, um, Myers, and and maybe Demko. I never thought I would say that, but I think we're getting to that possibility mm -hmm. too. I do think they're going to put a ton of players out there if they haven't already. There is Elliot Friedman on Tim and Friends earlier today. Um, there's a lot there. I think we all understand the Bo situation, Sad. It is the biggest one. Um, but uh, as we've talked about, there could be a pathway to keeping Bo should they be able to maybe um, move out a Besser or a Garland in the near term. Yeah, and I mean, that looks to be increasingly difficult. And I know what Elliot is saying, and he's right. I mean, those are the players that are out there. And, you know, he mentions even Thatcher Demko. And it that shouldn't be... <sighs> I don't think, again, I don't think the Canucks are shopping Thatcher Demko, but I, I do think this whole notion that Demko is an untouchable, I don't think that exists anymore. I don't think that's the case. I don't think that makes it likely to, that, that he gets moved. But I think there's the sentiment that if you call about Demko and make a good enough offer, maybe Vancouver listens. And I think that's why, you know, Elliot mentioned what he mentioned. And one of the things to kind of keep in mind here, too, is with what's happening in Vancouver Things are not going well. The players bear a lot of responsibility, absolutely. But are some players maybe looking to get out as well, looking for a change of scenery, looking to go somewhere else to have some success potentially with how things are going? And does that play a part into it? The team, I don't think, is ever going to come out and talk about that, and I'm not reporting anything. But one of the things that we do know is that things aren't going well. A lot of players are not happy. A lot of players are struggling. So what does that mean, big picture, and how do you handle all those sort of things, right? So I do think... If they move somebody that we didn't expect, let's say hypothetically it is a Thatcher Demko, it may be more to it than Vancouver just deciding to move the player. You know, like that's one thing I wonder about if we do see a big name we didn't expect get moved, right? Um, so we'll see ultimately on that aspect. I'm still skeptical. I still think we're looking at, you know, Demko staying here. And I'm still not sold, Dan, that they're going to be able to move Tyler Myers by the deadline with that $5 million signing bonus coming up. Like, yeah. I think he'll get traded in the offseason. I just don't know if that happens by the deadline. The Myers one seems difficult. Um, I, I don't see how that 
is a person or a player that they're able to move ahead of the deadline. Bo Horvat is the most obvious. You know, they can move Luke Shen. They can move guys like Kyle Burrows. Uh, the, the, those are obvious types of moves you could make ahead of the deadline. It's it's moving money. It's moving cap, especially cap that lasts beyond this year. That is ultimately the most difficult thing. And so Brock Besser is somebody that continues to come up, has, you know, Frank Saravalli's mentioned it, that, you know, there's there could be interest around Brock uh, around the league. You know, a lot of front offices would view Brock as somebody – who, yeah, his contract is a little bit rich, but it's maybe only a, a million dollars too rich or a million and a half too rich for the ultimate production he is able to provide and the type of player he can be when he's on. So there would be some level of interest in Brock. I, I think right now, as I said earlier, the likelihood of Brock getting moved, his name has been in the rumor mill for a lot of years now. It's probably higher now than it's ever been. And... It's just a matter of could this be something that gets done ahead of the trade deadline? That's something I wonder about with Brock Besser. And on Demko, look, I'm more open to trading Demko, I think, than than others. A year ago, we were talking about him being the best goalie contract in the league right next to Igor Shesterkin, right? That is not uh, something that is not of value, right? So... Is this the best time to be potentially talking about that player and his value with other teams? What would they be willing to offer him coming off of an injury that's kept him out for 10 weeks? It seems unlikely that that would make sense in such a short time frame. But I think about Jim Rutherford. I think about something Kevin Woodley mentioned to us when Rutherford first came on. He's not as big of a goalie guy as you might think given that he used to be a goalie in the National Hockey League he clearly wants to build a team that isn't just about the goalie even though a goalie certainly helps and is something you need when you get down to it in the playoffs but it's not something he was really keen on spending on when he was in Pittsburgh so like there's a couple of things that maybe add up there for me as to why if you're going to do some kind of surgery on this team, why Demko might be one of the pieces you could use in that surgery for this roster. It's the bold. I mean, if you're looking at making the boldest, most calculated risk where you feel like you have a fallback or a safety net, it would be your goalie department, especially, you know, let's say, you know, Ian Clark's here for the long-term sign a long-term deal. He's invested. And that's a guy you truly believe in. You believe in his ability and the organization's ability to find goalies and develop them. Then that's the boldest, most calculated bet that you can take. Cause you feel like you have a, enough of a foundation that you could find the next guy or a guy that's close enough for it to be worth it. But I'm ultimately skeptical, Dan, that you get that offer that's ultimately going to be worth you taking that gamble. Because even Thatcher Nemco is an incredible goaltender. He's super talented, right? But how much of a track record are we talking about? Very small. Not much. So, yeah, and he got hurt at the end of last year, and this year, of course, he's had his struggles. Yeah, you wonder he's if he's th- a bit of a Band-Aid, right? Yeah, yeah, you don't know, right? So 
is there a team that truly believes in him enough to take that leap right now, given how much he struggled and he's not he's not playing right now? So I think his overall situation during by the deadline makes it very difficult. If he comes in and plays really well in the 10, 15, 20 starts, however many starts he gets when he does come back for the rest of the season, that changes the equation come the off season, and maybe then it's a bit more palatable for you to you know explore that. But I'm just ultimately skeptical, Dan, that we see a team pony up and give what Vancouver what they would be looking for to make that deal. Yeah, and uh, you probably have to maybe take a goalie back um, <laughs> in that sort of a deal to, to get uh, any kind of a big big return. So, uh, Adam, Reach, please read a thesaurus. You've said surgery 10 times in the last 20 minutes. Well, thanks for pointing that out, Adam. <laughs> Yeah. I'll say surgery well, I mean, it, however many times I want. If the team's saying <laughs> surgery, I'm saying surgery too. Major changes. How about that? Okay. Major, major changes. We'll, we'll say changes. We'll, we'll say surgery. Should we Shake make up, a Tupac, roster reconstruction? Make, Tupac changes part of the theme song here on Canuck Central? No, we can't get it into the podcast That's because true. of. That's fair. Right. Changes Rights are on the mind. And all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the Demco part is something that's becoming at least more talked about. So it's something that should be at least on the radar of options that this organization, this front office has when looking to make some of these changes to the roster. The big one is ultimately Bo Horvat. And when it comes to Bo Sat, we're going to talk about Rick Tockett and uh, the comments he made last night. But you know some... uh, his his comments uh, just quickly here. Yeah, Rick Tockett's comments were so bewildering in terms of how how he sounded that I, I put out a tweet to you. I would put out a tweet the next day after the post game show podcast, and I'm like, Tockett is already at a loss for words. Two games in, somebody responded and said, "Oh, you're better than that headline. That's fake news." I'm like, he literally said, "I don't I don't have words." <laughs> Like we're not making this up. Like us saying that it sounds ridiculous that a coach two games in would say that I'm a, I'm a loss for words. He literally said he was at a loss for words. He had a thousand yard stare in his eyes when meeting with the media last night. He was flabbergasted. Go yeah. watch the media availability. Uh, that media availability, man. I had people reaching out for, to me from everywhere today talking about just how Tockett sewered the team two games in to his tenure as head coach. Uh, he didn't pull any punches. We know that much, but. With Kuzmenko's new deal, the thought is, hey, they prioritized Miller. Now they're prioritizing Kuzmenko. Dolly Wall went as far as to say they, they didn't even talk to Pat Morris while he's been in town here for the Prospects game. Did they snub Pat Morris? They, they snubbed <laughs> Pat Morris. Um, you know, is is it over? Is is uh, something that uh, seems to be the sentiment right now with, uh, with Bo Horvat? Yeah, well, I mean, it is, right? That's that's a sentiment overall that it's going to be difficult to get, get everything done. I'll believe it when a trade happens. Um, ultimately, you know, on the bow, and I, and I do think it's more likely they does get traded, but I'm, al I'm always just skeptical on, oh, this tells you it's 100% done, right? Like, I I'm totally shifting the, the percentages, though. Like, it was 60% getting traded. That's definitely gone up. But, you know, let, let's see what happens over this next week here, right? Let's see what happens over the next week. Uh, it is Dan Richo, Satyar Shah. We are Canuck Central. Coming up, we'll get into uh, Rick Tockett's comments after the uh, blowout loss to the Seattle Kraken. And Brad Larson, head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets, will join us as well. That's next on Canuck Central.